0: CHAPTER THREE BRADHALL Vosler was surprised to find the eastern gate of Bradhall closed and manned by a dozen guards. The large doors, fashioned of some ancient black pine, stood perhaps two men high and were wide enough for two courses' carts to pass through with ease. Those doors were set into a mix of ancient sandstone and brick from the red hills of the countryside. A few torches flashed around the entry, and to the left and right, the Brayden family crest rolled in the gentle night's wind, a skull in black armor, riding a white horse against a tan background. The Skull General, people called it. "'Expecting some trouble?' he shouted up, squinting his eyes to make out something of the people on either side of him, as well as those in the short rampart above. "'No one ever is,' a gruff voice responded. "'Yet trouble comes all the same, more often than not and most often at night.' "'It'd be a fool who argued against that,' Voslo nodded. "'Seems this very night some trouble has found me, and I'm needing entrance to your steam city to resolve it.' The man with the gruff voice stepped forward. He looked like some mix of Belmar and Solmar, ruddy brown hair that was deeply curled, and amber eyes that caught the torchlight. A thick brown beard grew down to the sides of either cheek, but he was clean-shaven around the chin, making his face seem very wide. He wore poor leathers for armor with chafed edges and loose fastenings. The guard eyed voslow uncertain. "'It's strange for a man to announce he's bringing trouble. Saves us half the work, it does.' The doula shrugged. "'I mean to cause as little as possible. My business partner and I were attacked at the inn by Eastcross. I'm sure you know the one. Well, for truth, I was inside, and my partner was attacked. And mighty hard, beaten to a bloody mess. The man responsible could only have fled here. A blonde man, in his younger middle years perhaps— of typical Belmaran stock, by my eyes. Maybe you've seen him. The guard rubbed at a thick spot of fur beneath his ear, then slowly nodded. Aye. Not a half hour ago, by my reckoning. He seemed hurried, sure enough, and I thought that wrong. But we've orders to only keep out those as might seem connected to that lion fellow over Easterways. We questioned him, like you. Said he was just itching for some hot food. This lion must be more trouble than Vosler would thought, for guards as far as Bradhall to be weary of him. Do you know where I might find him? Not the line fellow, obviously. The blond man who passed by. Did he give any notion of where he would be staying? Voslo asked. The guard shook his head. No, but the hour is late enough. will will be many inns left on this side of the city that are still taking guests for the eve. Might try Shimmer's rest. But, sir, I can't very well let you into town knowing you're about to fight a man. The duelist swung down off the donling and was happy to be back on his own feet. I will leave my weapons here with you he assured them. "'No man will die tonight. There is a single trinket he took, one of value, and I require it back. I will persuade him with as little force as possible. I promise it.' The guard relaxed and stepped back. "'Ronner, come take the man's sword. That seems a good enough pledge to me.' He turned back to the fighter, who was unfastening his sword belt, and noticed the additional wooden weapon. "Your duelist," "'I am.' He jerked a thumb at the pin he wore on his left breast. The guard held the torch out a little and saw the glint of the steel pin, then nodded. What's your name, Master Doolist? First watch will end soon enough, and we'll be needing to tell the next to expect you. Voslo, he answered. Gonna need a surname, too, the guard assured him. Voslo is a common enough name in the West, he sighed, once again unable to avoid it. Voslo Stetman." Voslo, the guard took a step back. and Rana came up with a torch of his own. You can't be the Voslo Stepman. The duelist held his arms out wide. I'm afraid someone has to be, and as black luck would have it, it is I. What he say? Someone shouted up from the rampart above. We heard it wrong up here. Must have. Voslo Stepman the first guard shouted up. But old. From the road it was easy to hear his name being repeated in some disbelief up above. Voslo grabbed his weapon belt, the two swords hanging from it, and thrust it out to Ronner. The young guard took it in his hands with a look of religious awe. May I? The guard asked. Help yourself, Voslo said, annoyed. The guard slid the sword slowly from its scabbard. This is Dreamender, he said in disbelief, holding it as though it would shatter like glass if dropped. Voslo winced at the name. He had given the sword that name when he was only fourteen years of age, and for very different reasons than the stories now said. By the time he thought to name it something else, the old blade was already famous. He never heard of naming a wooden sword, though it was responsible for as many of his victories as the steel one was, and so he never did. No one else ever did either. "'Why, it's just a busted old thing,' the older guard with the side beard said, critically. "'Everyone knows Dream Mender is made of the finest steel ever wrought by the smiths of Gavelstone.' "'And that it was,' Voslo grinned, gesturing to his notched sword. "'Let that be a lesson in impertinence to you, what forty years can do to a fine sword, and a fine swordsman alike.' "Man, no disrespect, sir.' The guard offered a bow and sheathed the weapon. Vosla waved it off. None taken. Just see that it's well looked after. I aim to be back before the second night watch ends. I'll let the next shift know, the older guard nodded. Open the doors, he shouted back. Open them, dammit! Disarmed, Vosla Stetman made his way into the quiet night of Bradhall, relieved to be on foot once more. They'll keep Corey's steed safe, he reckoned. As he walked alone through the flagstone mainway of Bradhall, He passed the Ray Square. It reminded him of the last time he had been here, some two decades or more earlier, though it hardly seemed that long. Two decades he shook his head, and just the thought made his knee hurt. The challenger then had been Sir Boram Hesney, a third son of the noble Hesney family in Greenwater Bay, by the sea, a fellow Naranian, too. It was unusual for knights to issue challenges to do lists, According to the laws of the Concordant, a duelist could only challenge another duelist, and could never challenge a knight. A knight, however, was always free to challenge a duelist, sufficing that he abided by the five agreements, and that the duelist agreed without duress. Young Sir Borum exercised his right to do so that autumn afternoon. Lord Orney Braden had just finished hosting a three-day tournament, complete with archery, three-man melees, wrestling, and jousting. Sir Borum won the purse for jousting. That evening, Gossip spread to reveal that Voslo was one of the guests present. Guessing that he might be in the feast hall with the other throngs of knights, squires, pages, nobles, and wealthy freemen, Sir Borum stood on his seat and loudly issued the challenge. Once a few hundred eyes landed on the master list, he felt he could not turn down the challenge without disrespecting the knight and his family. He accepted, and for only two golden shill, he was drunk on the taste of his own victory, which Voslo guessed had probably been his first in attorney. Even so, he had the presence of mind to meet privately with the duelist afterwards, where they negotiated the five agreements, and agreed not to announce the location of the duel. A hundred or so people had guessed it would be at the Ray Square when the appointed hour came the following day, but that was better than a thousand. Nobles, lords, and lordlings made everything more complicated, everything from pissing all the way up to having a duel. If some noble house is present, you must be deferent, or else you risk the wrath of their wealth and connections. Voslo could care less about such things now, but back then still intended to continue his career as a duelist for a long time. They dueled that afternoon, and in order to preserve the lordling's prestige, Voslo drew the fight out. He feigned difficulty, even uncertainty and fear. He pretended to misstep, or to have just barely deflected a strike. He advanced just enough to avoid any accusations of a fixed duel, and retreated enough to allow Sir Borum the image of a good match. Once it was clear the young knight was near to exhaustion, and would soon make a fool of himself, Vaslo nicked his upper arm with mender, drew blood, and so won the duel. He always fondly remembered the good spirit in which Sir Borum took the defeat. He had grabbed Vaslo's wrist and held it up, inciting cheers from the growing crowd, and then embraced him in a hug. Thank you, he whispered in the duelist's ear. You honored me beyond honour. Vaslo Stepman continued down the flagstone road, darkened in the night. Passing the square, he repeated the words kind Saborum had said that day, twenty years earlier. You honored me beyond honor. How about that? Sadly, he remembered hearing. Saborum died in the conflict against the Darkland Coalition only a year later. He rounded the trader's square and continued two more blocks, as the Night Watch had instructed him. The name Shimmer's Rest was wrought in bronze that caught the lamplight well, and the letters rested above a wood-burnt image of a bed on one side and a mug of drink on the other. The lamp burned like the oil well was full, even at this late hour. The inn was mostly quiet when he walked in. Whatever music may have played earlier in the eve was now gone, and all that remained was a few men chipping away at what must have been the next of many drinks. One glaze stood against a wall in the far corner, his black hair pulled back in a bun and wearing the traditional thick leathers of his northern people. His large halberd rested against the wall like himself, and Boslow noticed that even though he was standing, he was fast asleep. "'You're in luck, master,' a man's voice told him. "'We've only one room left, and the stew is still warm.' Voslo found the man serving another mug of ale to a half-awake traveller sitting at a fine walnut table. "'I'm not here for the night. Just need to ask you a question.' The man, who must have been the innkeeper, winced at that. He had short blond hair and dark eyes, with skin that had seen its fair share of the sun, exposed through a sleeveless green tunic of fine material. He regarded the duelist, then sighed. My father used to say, at the midnight hour, questions turn sour. I've come to see it true over the years. I would be forced to agree, Votho said, stepping forward. I'm looking for a man. In fact, I'd say he looks somewhat like you. But that could just be the Naranian in me. Blonde hair of middling length, dark eyes. Not so tan as you, though, and wearing fine clothes for a traveler. I'd say he's a decade your senior, if I had to guess. He would have arrived only a half hour ago, maybe a little more. "'And what business might you have with such a man? "'I'm not in the habit of sending strangers into the rooms of my guests,' "'the innkeeper assured him. "'He's a violent man,' Voslow answered. "'He forcibly beat a friend of mine at the inn out by East Cross "'and took something sentimental from him. "'I aim to get it back. "'I've left my weapons with the guards at the Eastern Gate.' "'He lifted his arms and turned around to show that he had no sword belt or dirk. "'The young man shifted his jaw left and right a bit, obviously perplexed. "'Look, be that as it may,' "'We've a reputation here for a late night's drink and an easy night's sleep. "'I can't just be having people barge into my guests' rooms, "'especially those who haven't even paid me a thing.'" "'Shill. It always came down to shill.' "'Vother sighed, then reached into a shill purse to feel around for some money. "'He pulled out a light shill ring, only a three-electrum shill on it, "'as opposed to the ten that a full shill ring boasted. "'He tossed it at the man. "'Is that enough?' "'It's more than we charge for a room and food. "'But still, sir, you must understand,' the man started. "'Vazlow stepped forward and cut him off. "'Let's say it turns out this man was a criminal. "'Let's say I'm a bounty hunter, here to do the king's justice. "'Let's say there was nothing he could do about it. "'I'll tell the guards to say the same. "'No one will blame you or your establishment.' "'The man sucked at his lips for a minute, then relented. "'The third room on your left, on the first floor. "'Just go past the staircase and take a left. "'You'll see the rooms. "'Here.' "'The innkeeper walked behind the bar and shuffled around in some cubbies "'before producing an old key.' He tossed it over to the duelist. This will open the door, be quick about it, and if you can, quiet. Voslo looked down at the key and nodded. I shall be the very sound of silence. With that, he proceeded past the staircase, then took a left when a hall presented itself. After he passed the second door he took off his shoes, and setting them to the side, slowly crept on his bare feet to the third door on his left. When he approached the door, a single board creaked beneath him, and he cursed under his breath. Only two seconds later he heard a board creak similarly within the room, awfully close to the door. Someone was there, waiting and ready. What to do? What to say? Vazzo turned various options around in his head. He was unarmed, and there was little doubt that the man on the other side of the door had a weapon ready and in his hand. Then he had an idea. He quietly took off his leather jerkin and placed it to the left of the door, so that he looked like anyone else might. Then he knocked. "'What's your business?' A man shouted from the other side. "'It's late and I mean to sleep.' "'I'm dread sorry, sir. Really, dread sorry,' the doulas said, in an uncertain voice. "'My name is Dawn. I'm a cook just now leaving my shift. I was readying to go home when I saw something strange in the yard. Sir, is your horse the Rakhine grey? "'What? Yes, what of it?' The voice replied briskly. "'Well, I'm afraid it's being stolen, sir,' Voslo answered. The door flew open, and the man inside looked the image of confusion. It was, without doubt, the Belmarin who Corey had thoroughly beaten at a game of lucky knuckles. Then what are you doing, man? Stop him! That's my horse! Voslo shrugged. Well, to be fair, it's not being stolen quite yet. No sooner had the man's mouth opened to blurt some curse than Voslo's knuckles drove into his face. His top lip split and already spurting blood. He only then seemed to remember that he had a dagger in his hand. As he raised it, Voslo grabbed his wrist, then drove his forehead into the man's nose, breaking it and bringing forth even more blood. The Belmarin produced a second blade from somewhere in his left hand, and Voslo had to admit being mildly impressed, that even in such pain he could coordinate a retaliation to some degree. The man's left hand jabbed forward with the dirk, and the duelist easily led that strike into the wall. The sudden stop jarred the Belmarin's wrist, causing him to let go of the weapon. Voslo shoved him back, then planted a boot into his stomach, toppling the thief over and causing him to collapse onto the floor. With his boot, the duelist pushed the man over onto his back. Oh? The man mumbled through bubbles of blood. Voslo put his boot to the man's neck. I'll get right to the point. You took a medallion from a friend of mine, a pendant, worn about the neck. I require it back. That little shit? The man gasped from the floor. What are you? You don't look like a glaive. Not a glaive, just a business partner, and one you stole from. He pressed into the Belmarin's throat a little harder. Now, I believe you're about to give me that necklace. Blood ran into the man's eyes from his split brow, into his mouth from a split lip, into his beard from a bloody mouth. Still, he managed something of a nod, and reached into his left pocket. He produced from it a humble necklace of leather lacing, but adorned by a fine silver locket that was perhaps as long and as wide as two fingers. "'Take it,' the man rasped out. "'Please, mercy.' Voslo snatched it from the man's hands and lifted his foot from his neck. "'That's all the business I was about. Let this be a lesson to you not to steal.' "'Things won by blood are lost by blood. That's what they say.' He stood over the beaten man, and out of curiosity decided to open the locket. He was curious what all this violence had been worth. Corey's eyes had looked unusually fierce when he asked Vosler to retrieve it, and he had intended on getting it back himself, even if it meant dying. What could be worth all this trouble? When he opened it, he had more questions than answers. There was a miniature inside of it, as there often was within lockets but instead of some dame, it was a man roughly Cory's age, and who he starkly resembled. "'A brother?' Voslo asked himself, whispering. "'A father? He must be family.' The Balmarin grunted and began to try to lift himself from the ground, but Voslo gave him a shove with his boot, knocking him back to the floor, then turned and took his leave. i you're fucked, old man!' The Balmarin spit some blood out. "'I'm is Undel Undelsondren, the lad baron of Ashcove.' I have money and I have influence. You can't do this to me. He started to get up again, but Voslo walked up to him and crouched, so that he looked the bloody man in his eyes. With a grin, he said, And I'm the master list, Voslo Stepman. He leaned in a little closer. Do you know now how close to death you've come? Kel Sunrin's eyes went wide, and his mouth hung open. Voslo left him like that. As soon as he rounded the corner of the hall, he saw the innkeeper, standing there with his jaw gape as well. Surrounded by five city guardsmen. True guardsmen, these. Four of them wore fine black brigandines marked over the heart with the skilled general, the family crest of Lord Braden. Dark leather van braces covered their arms, and light gauntlets rested easily on the hilts of their swords. One of them was a more dazzling sight a man dressed in full blackened plate, except missing a helmet, with a long tan cloak draped over his sword arm, decorated at the top by the fur of a red fox. He must have been one of Bradhall's well-known blackguard, but Voslo couldn't help but wonder how much the poor bastard must sweat inside all of that. You said there would be no trouble, the innkeeper pleaded. Voslo regarded the city guards. And is there... trouble? Our lord of Bradhall, only Braden, requests your presence, the shiny guard said in a practiced voice. Voslo let out a sigh. And why is that? One of the leather-clad guardsmen stepped forward. "'It is his lordship's desire that the famed duelist spend the night at his estate, "'and if possible, and convenient, remain there through the week as his honoured guest.' Fame duelist?' the innkeeper asked, eyebrows raised, and face twisted in confusion. "'Don't you know, man?' a third guard said, facing the innkeeper. "'This is Voslo Stepman, the undefeated master duelist.' The duelist waved it off, and reaching into his pocket, tossed another electrum shill and the key to the room into the hands of the innkeeper as he walked by. "'Extra for the inconvenience.' The innkeeper didn't even regard the money. He just stared at the poorly-dressed, sun-beaten old man as he walked by. "'Voslo Stepman,' he mouthed quietly to himself. "'But that can't be. Everyone knows Voslo Stepman is seven feet tall.'